Florida Medical Association. Helping physicians practice medicine. Welcome to the Medicine Curated Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Stapleton, CEO of the Florida Medical Association. We hear a lot about increasing access to healthcare, lowering costs, and improving quality and outcomes. Today, we're gonna to talk to a physician right here in Florida who is doing all of these things. He is one of the pioneers of the direct primary care movement in the United States. He's been invited to the White House and has testified before the United States Congress and the Florida Legislature. It's my pleasure to welcome FMA member, Dr. Lee Gross to the podcast. Dr. Gross, thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much, Tim. I really appreciate you having me. Looking forward to Great. Well, I'd like, I'd like to start uh, by having you share some information about yourself and your practice. Sure. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. I uh, did my undergraduate degree at The Ohio State University and subsequently went on to do some clinical research at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation and their cardiology department, uh, working directly for Eric Topol, who is now the editor-in-chief at Medscape. Uh, after three years, went on to do my uh, uh, medical training at uh, Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, Ohio. Went to uh, University Hospitals of Cleveland, where I did a family medicine residency, uh, was chief uh, resident of that program there in Cleveland. And in 2002, uh, when I was coming out of that program, I had the opportunity to stay in Cleveland, uh, which is a market that's very dominated by two very large hospital organizations, the Cleveland Clinic and University Hospitals. Uh, and if you didn't work for one of those organizations, you essentially didn't work. And that was just not something I was real interested in. So in 2002, I decided we were going to move down to Florida, which was a much more favorable practice market, and launched my practice. Uh, so I have been in southwest Florida, in Northport uh, specifically. Uh, for those of you that are not familiar with Northport, it is one of the fastest growing cities in the state of Florida, if not in the country. And we are in southern Sarasota County, right on the Gulf Coast. Well, terrific. I know that uh, there's a lot of transplanted uh, Midwesterners uh, in that area, and, and we're happy to have you in Florida. Um, and we won't hold the, uh, the fact that you're an Ohio State Buckeye against you. <laughs> my, my son's in Florida State, if that helps. Well, there you go. Great. Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about direct primary, the direct primary care model and how does it work? So the name of our practice is, is Epiphany Health, and that's a very strange name for a medical company. But in fact, we, ha we did have an epiphany. And the epiphany was, why are we insuring primary care? Why are we taking a very cumbersome insurance product and inserting that between the doctor and patient and financing every single aspect of medical care uh, through health insurance? We don't do the same thing for our homeowner's insurance. We don't do it for our automobile insurance. Yet we get surprised that it becomes very cumbersome, very expensive, very impersonal as you know, 70 cents on every healthcare dollar goes to people that don't touch patients through administering that, that, that very expensive, cumbersome billing system. Uh, and so what direct primary care does is it carves all of that out. It carves out all of that bureaucracy, carves out all the middlemen, and just creates a direct relationship between the doctor and the patient. Uh, we do so on a subscription basis, so it's a flat monthly fee for all the services that are provided in our office. So for $65 a month for an adult and as low as $10 a month for a, ch a child, we can provide unlimited medical services in the office, unlimited technology visits, unlimited video, unlimited email, unlimited procedures, take off skin cancers, do joint injections. But then we've, we've, we've realized that, that that requires us now to start reaching outside of our office and provide affordable care. Uh, and so what that forced us to do was create transparent prices for 
or routine services such as labs and x-rays and physical therapy that we know most people need. And so we, we developed a network of cash-based price transparent uh, ancillary services. And our patients that typically do this usually get about 95% savings on their, on their labs and imaging services. Wow, that's a that's a great deal for for uh, patients, and certainly a model that uh, uh, is uh, very compelling. Tell us a little bit about how the direct primary care uh, platform is different from uh, concierge medicine, which we hear a lot about. Sure. So, so concierge medicine also tends to charge a a fixed annual fee, uh, but that fee usually is for what we call non covered services. So it's for something that the insurance company wouldn't pay for like prolonged visits or priority appointments, uh, maybe your doctor's cell phone number or email address. It usually sort of gave, you know, sort of a fee for extra access. Uh, but then typically you still need insurance for all the stuff that's provided in the office in most situations. So the doctor will still charge for every EKG, still charge for every joint injection, still charge for every, every office visit. Much like when airbags came out in, in cars. Initially, they were only on high-end luxury automobiles, but now uh, over time, they're basically standard on every entry-level vehicle. That's kind of where concierge sort of morphed into direct primary care. I think that's the concierge movement is sort of where the DPC kind of came from. Uh, so there's a lot of overlap and in, in, in gray area between the definition of those, of those practice models. Sure. And I think that, you know, people kind of associate concierge uh, medicine for you know, maybe people that are uh, more well off financially. And I think the direct primary care model really works for everyone. Um, so you, you touched on this a little bit, but um, uh, tell us a little bit more about the benefits of direct primary care as it pertains to patients. Sure. So you, so you mentioned the, the sort of triple aim that I think we try to achieve here just in healthcare in general, which is better care, more choices and lower cost. Uh, and frankly, Nobody's been able to solve that that riddle. That is something that direct primary care actually has been able to do. It's the only practice model that I've seen that does does actually solve those, those triple goals that we're trying to do. Um, but you know, so patients in our program, uh, they're they're seeing about a ninety five percent discount in in their services. So, for example, an MRI, an MRI through our practice costs two hundred and twenty dollars. That's a cash price. In almost every situation, our patients that use their insurance pay more using their insurance than if they paid cash uh, directly at the time of service using the prices that we've been able to secure for our patients. Uh, and so what are we insuring if using your insurance doubles your out-of-pocket costs or increases your cost and restricts your access to care? Uh, it, it's gotten to a point almost so much that the coverage is not care. Coverage sometimes is even the obstacle to care. Uh, and so if we can make the routine care affordable and predictable for everybody and make it less expensive than a cell phone, I think we've actually accomplished quite a bit. So the benefits of the patients and to the system to the country are astronomical. Yeah, I'll say that is that is a huge um, savings for, for patients. And uh, uh, so, so how about doctors? Uh, clearly not having to deal with hassles from insurance companies, um, not having to employ uh, staff people to run down insurance claims and, and, and try to secure payment for your services. What are some of the other um, benefits for physicians in terms of professional satisfaction? Um, and tell us about how you uh, uh, feel, feel about uh, the practice of medicine uh, in this model. 
Sure. So I will tell you that I'm probably one of the few physicians that I speak to that are extremely hopeful for the future of medicine, hopeful for the future of primary care. Uh, I see excited medical students that come through my practice that are really very just, they love the model, they love the patient access, they love the care, uh, and really just see a future in primary care, which is just spectacular. It allows primary care doctors to see incomes commensurate with some of the specialists. Uh, and so it makes primary care a financially viable practice model as well. But it, it really does remove the bureaucracy out of the practice. So, for example, my clinical notes now are actually a clinical note, not a billing document. It's not a receipt for services. Uh, it's not a 12-page note with checkboxes. It's a one-paragraph note saying the patient had a high blood pressure and they responded to the medication. And so you can look at it and actually read it and know why the patient was there. Electronic medical records are there because they're good for us. They improve our workflow, but they're not cash registers. Uh, and so they're not designed around uh, as a billing tool. They are designed to improve the, the access and, and workability. But the most important thing that I think we've realized now is that this practice model is pandemic tested. And so if you've seen recent Physician Foundation surveys, uh, that show that more than half of the, the primary care practices in the country are, are having financial difficulties because of the, the, the pandemic. Uh, you know, when you cut off fee for service, these practices were really struggling uh, for what they could do. And when patients are, are fearful or coming into the, the office, and if your practice is fee for service based, office based, uh, you essentially cut off your entire revenue. We did not need to wait for Medicare to create a new code. We did not need to wait for an insurance company to have a board meeting to approve technology visits and to pay technology visits the same as face-to-face -face visits. On day number one, we shifted our practice model. And so we completely flipped everything online. We shifted it to the parking lot. We shifted it to the patient's home. We did the right care at the right time at the right place uh, for the patients that's, that works for our community and the needs for our practice. And you know what? We never saw the revenue drop. Uh, we 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 were fearful that we were going to see a huge drop in the in the number of patients. We thought you know, patients are losing their work, therefore they're losing their insurance. And we're going to see a massive number of people uh, dropping. You know what? We're in a growth mode. We just hired another doctor. Uh, we have a two month waiting list for new patients uh, in a pandemic. It, it's it's wow. I, I almost have a little survivor's guilt about that, um, but I also have to just be you know very thankful that, that that's the situation that we find ourselves. Well, that that is an amazing story, and and certainly, um, you know, we're we're seeing it firsthand how physicians uh, during the pandemic uh, have have taken uh, dramatic uh, uh, cuts in in, in pay, uh, and the fact that you were able to maintain your practice, be nimble and flexible, uh, and and in fact grow during this pandemic, I think is a, is a wonderful testimony to the. Um, the power of direct primary care. So we've talked a little bit about um, how direct primary care has lowered cost for, for patients. Clearly, it has increased professional satisfaction for those physicians that, that are part of this model. Um, this is a very compelling uh, model. How do we scale it? Yeah, so it, it is scaling, um, despite the headwinds that are, that are the politics around medicine these days. Uh, yeah, so I would say that it took Starbucks 17 years to grow to 17 stores. Uh, direct primary care has grown from a handful of practices around the country 10 years ago to almost 2,000 practices today, despite that very aggressive headwind. So I'll tell you that it's already scaled. Now, scaling to a level where, where it becomes the 
the sole or the primary delivery vehicle, uh, you know, that, that there are a lot of factors that influence that. But I will tell you that one thing that we've done here locally is we've worked with a rural 49-bed hospital here in Florida. And as you know, over 100 hospitals around the country since 2010 have shuttered uh, because of the financial difficulties these, these small hospitals are having. We work with them to completely redesign their employee health plan. Uh, and if their employees signed up for the direct primary care practice, the hospital would pay for it for them. In the first year, we had almost 60% of the hospital employees sign up for our direct primary care program. And at the end of year number one, we saved the hospital $1.2 million. It was a 54% reduction in their health plan costs. The employees saw an immediate 20% reduction in their premiums because the hospitals front-loaded front -loaded and paid for it. We had a 60% reduction in specialty referrals because the doctors now have time to be doctors. Uh, we have time with the patient, and so we don't need to refer out stuff because we don't have time. We had a 30% reduction in total out-of-pocket costs for the employee. And the interesting thing is, is, well, in year number two, we actually had a 40% increase in the number of hospital employees that signed up, sort of testimony to the satisfaction because, you know, healthcare workers are a pretty tough bunch to make happy. Uh, yet we saw 40% year-over-year growth in the DPC model. Uh, again, with a 54 54% reduction, but we've completely waived all co-pays for the for the hospitals to get any work done in the hospital. We there were no deductibles for any surgeries, tests, procedures that were done in the hospital. Uh, and the other interesting thing is the hospital, if the patient signed up for the direct primary care practice, the hospital waived all requirements for, for prior authorizations for all formulary requirements. So the referral is where I say the patient goes. That's the network. The network is anywhere in the country Dr. Gross says the patient goes. That's the network. The wow. formula is, is any drug Dr. Gross uh, prescribes is the formulary uh, because they trust their physicians. And why would they hire somebody to oversee the treatment of their physicians if the physician is the highest trained person in the bunch? Uh, and so they completely turned it over. And in doing so, by completely trusting your physicians and your patients, eliminating obstacles to care, eliminating financial barriers to care, they've saved 54% on their health costs. That's how you scale up. That's how you fix rural health. Yeah. Wow. That is great. Um, so if someone is interested, an individual is interested in um, working with a direct primary care practice, you know, anywhere in Florida, what's the best way for them to, um, uh, to find a direct primary care uh, physician? Yeah, quite frankly, it's easy. It's as easy as just going to Google and looking up direct primary care and you'll find practices near you. Uh, there is a website called dpcfrontier.com and there they have a mapper that you can go to that you can see practices all around the country and you can zoom in and, and see information about the practices. So there's lots of information. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And so, you know, you mentioned that you have uh, uh, medical students that rotate through and uh, that are in uh, uh, interested in primary care and, and a lot of them are interested in this model. Um, what about, you know, if I'm an existing, uh, primary care physician, maybe I'm employed at a hospital or, or, uh, maybe I'm uh, looking to transition my practice into a direct primary care model. What, uh, resources are available, uh, to physicians or medical students or residents that are interested in going into direct primary care? Yeah, so up until the pandemic, we, through the work of our foundation, which is the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, we would receive grants from Physicians Foundation uh, to put on conferences around the country to teach physicians for free how to do this. So we, and we appreciate the work with the FMA and the partnership that we've had with you to put on those conferences in Florida. Uh, 
And so there are still some conferences that go on. Most of them are virtual now. There are a couple of great books out there. There's one a book by Dr. Doug Ferrego, uh, which is an excellent book. There, there's uh, uh, Dr. Paul Thomas in Detroit has an excellent book out there. Uh, but all of the conferences that we've put on around the country are all uh, available online for free through our website. It's dpcconference.com. Great. Well, thank you. Um, you know, I think there's more that the FMA can do and we will be doing. And of course, this podcast is one way to get uh, the message out. Um, so what's your takeaway message that you'd like uh, for our audience to know about direct primary care? Yeah, I think direct primary care has already shown its staying power. Uh, I think initially people sort of looked at us sort of as the crazy guys shouting in the street. Um, but now I think we're, we're a real force. This is definitely a, a future a role for this. And, and some of the, the big guys are, are trying to sort of emulate this. And, and I think we're, they're going to learn a lot from, from the work that we've done. Uh, and what direct primary care looks like today is maybe not what direct primary care is going to look like in 10 years. Uh, what it looks like in Manhattan may not be the same as it looks in Tallahassee or in Northport or in Arcadia. So uh, this very flexible, nimble model, I think, really is maybe not the solution to healthcare, but it's one of many solutions that, that are coming forward. And I, I would encourage uh, any sort of future regulatory changes or, or reforms, uh, certainly look to the successes we're having at, at providing better patient care at a lower cost. Well, and as you mentioned, it's been pandemic tested. And I, I think the, the beauty of this model really is the simplicity and the fact that you have physicians in charge, physicians making the decisions make, makes it you know very compelling. So Dr. Gross, thank you so much for joining us today. And more importantly, thank you for your leadership and for showing us that there is a way that physicians can lead the movement to lower costs, uh, increase access and improve quality uh, for, for patients. So thank you. Thank you very much, appreciate the time. Florida Medical Association, helping physicians practice medicine.